you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to be back with you again today. Today, I am joined by a special guest, Julie Caraccio. Some of you may know her from her own podcast. Some of you may be fans, but I'm really excited to have her introduce herself, tell you about her podcast, and tell you about what she does. So Julie, without further ado, uh, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So my name is Julie Croccio. I'm an award-winning professional life and end-of-life organizer. As you mentioned, a podcast host of Clear Your Clutter Inside and Out, author, professional speaker, and the clutterer, as I like to say. So my podcast focuses on the holistic aspect of decluttering, meaning it's not just our physical stuff. We'll look at mental relationships, health, emotional, spiritual, all that good stuff. Yeah. And that's what I think is so interesting about your podcast. Certainly you do focus on that physical clutter, but you go deeper than people normally think, right? So you're there to talk about what's holding you back you know, how to clear out other people's clutter. You mentioned at end of life, but also as a professional. So before we dig right in and get into it, let's talk about the difference between a designer and an organizer, because a lot of clients call my firm and expect that interior designers do both. So from your viewpoint, would you share what the differences are? Sure, absolutely. So I don't do anything that you do. I do not have your skill set. I know there might be people out there that do as well. And a lot of times when I've worked with designers, they've called me and said, hey, I can't even do my job. Please go in there and support people in decluttering and getting organized. And so it's completely different. Like, I don't know what colors look good. I don't know how to put a room together. I don't do any of that. Where we might overlap is, say, if you're in a small apartment, I love finding tips and tricks to maximize space. So I've seen really cool ottomans where you can house shoes and, or, you know, like in the front of my entryway, because I wear shoes all the time is a basket of shoes. So I could say, Hey, this is, you know, furniture, like our bedroom furniture that doubles the storage. Whereas then you would come in and say, yeah, great idea, but you want to look for this color you want to look for this style. So I don't do anything with colors or style, anything that, but the functionality is more what I touch on. So that's where they'd overlap. 
but I see myself as being the first line to get the clutter cleared so you can come in there and say, these are colors, this is what we can do to transform the room. I completely agree with that timeline. I think decluttering and hiring that professional organizer is first because you might weed out a lot of things. You might discover you don't need a lot of things, or you might discover that you want to keep them, but you may be in a storage unit. And so if you bring your designer in first, they're already working around what you have. They're thinking of solutions. How are we going to house all of this? What are we going to do? But if a lot of that goes away, not only will there be opportunities for new furniture, but the strategies will be totally different. So that's exactly what I advise our clients. First, work with that organizer. First, get decluttered. Then call us in when you know how many books you have left, how many dresses need to hang, you know, how many shoes need to fit in that ottoman. Then we'll talk because even in my own life, I'm a little bit cluttery. Uh, stuff can pile up. I love so many things that sometimes I have too many of them around. And it's not our forte. I love my label maker. I love to pretend to be an organizer, but it's definitely something genetic that I don't necessarily have innately. But, you know, where do people start? Because oftentimes my clients are so overwhelmed, maybe even ashamed to have someone come in. I hear that word a lot. I don't want anyone to see what I've got. I know I need help. But how can they dig in? How can they get started and move past those emotions? Sure. First, I want to encourage everyone, don't feel shame. We all have our areas where we struggle. I'm a little bit cluttered right now because we just moved and life's hectic. So I've got it semi-organized, but I'm like, I know it'll get taken care of. So don't feel shame. What I would say to someone listening or watching is, do you have an impending deadline for someone? Do you have the interior designer coming over to do stuff? Well, okay, if she's coming over in two weeks and that now's the time to declutter. Or if you aren't paying your bills on time, then I would say, or if you have a lot of health issues, then getting that kitchen cleared out to, so we can cook healthy e meals is really important. If something's driving you nuts, if you want to just have a space where you can relax and find peace and you aren't able to, then that's where you should start. So ask yourself a couple of those questions and then let that guide you to where you should begin. What if there is no urgency? What if there is no appointment with a designer? Or, you know, I always find myself decluttering when I have like a dinner party scheduled. But during coronavirus, I didn't have any of those excuses to kind of reevaluate everything and take the time. So what do you recommend for somebody who may not have any health issues, who may just be dealing with this every day? Then I would say, where do you spend the most time? Or what's driving you nuts? If you're in your home every day and you're working from home and your office is driving you crazy, then that's where I'd start. Or if you're like, you know what? When I walk into my bedroom, I don't feel peace. I don't feel that's my sanctuary. Or if you want to feel energized in your office and you're not feeling that, then those are that's where I'd say to start. And, you know, how does somebody know if they should be hiring a professional or if it's something that they can do on their own? It feels like a fine line with decluttering because it feels like something that only we could do, right? Only I can tell you if you could throw that out. So should I just do it on my own? What's that kind of look like? Great question. So I would say, how long have you had the clutter? 
how long have you been disorganized? Because if you keep saying, oh, I'll get to it, I'm going to get to it someday. Well, someday never comes. So if you make a deadline and don't meet it, that's a good idea. If you've been doing this for years, now is the time to get help. If you just don't have the time, if your life is so busy, that's when you need to delegate. Now you can always work side by side with someone. And I personally recommend that. I think that's the best thing because I like to teach people skills and I like them to be involved. Not everyone needs to do that. So those are some things that I'd look at. And for people out there who are listening who might be organizers themselves or even someone who's evaluating if it's right for them, how do you know when a client is not a fit for you? When wait, you know, maybe professional help is not what they need, or at least my professional help is not what they need. That's an excellent question. One of the things I do is a free 15 minute consultation. I'm now, because I've done this for so long, I get a really good sense. I prefer to do face to face so I can, you know, or over Zoom or whatever, so I can get a good sense. So I always trust my instincts. So for me, it's, do we have a good personality match? Would I want to spend time with this person? Do I have the skill set they need? For example, I don't deal with hoarders. You need really need special training in that. So if someone said, oh, I'm a hoarder, and I'd say, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Here's a referral for someone. So I think they need to have the skill set and be a good personality match. You know, you're going to be sometimes spending these intimate moments with people. I've seen a lot of interesting things doing this job and you want someone that's not going to judge you and that you get along with and enjoy spending time with. How long does a project generally take? I mean, I'm sure there's a range of projects, but what does that timeline look like? It really depends on how much stuff there is. You know, what I like to work in four-hour chunks, and the reason why is if you work an hour or two, you might be able to see some progress, again, depending on the space you're in. But if we've worked four hours, you're going to see some stuff cleared and some organization happening. Because if you have been collecting things, buying for 20 or 30 years. I run across this a lot and you haven't purged. That's a lot of stuff to go through. Something that drives me absolutely crazy is we see these shows like hoarding on TV and, oh, in 48 minutes with commercials, it's done. Well, they don't show you the three or four weeks. They don't show you the pre-prep, the actual time spent doing all that. And so it's really frustrating that people have this misconception that it's just going to be done like that. And the reality is, is it won't be. Right. Right. I think that's the same thing with interior design. They see those before and afters on TV. They assume the process is quick and easy. They assume hiring a carpenter. Oh, wait, there's just a guy down the street. Uh, And there's so much more to it uh, that I think is disappointing for people, but also very eye-opening when they do do that 15-minute consult. We offer the same thing, 15-minute consult, so they can kind of see if they're a fit. And we can also discern if this project is something that's up our alley. But, you know, when you are hiring a professional, what should people look for? There are different things to work for. You can look, uh, price obviously is going to mean a lot to people. You know, one thing I say is get to know the area because where I was, I recently moved from Raleigh and relocated back to Wheeling where I'm the only person doing this. Whereas Raleigh, there were a bunch of people, but there was a big price range for that. And people are like, oh my gosh, you charge that? I'm like, well, one, I always encourage you to check out different people, but know the price range of the area you are. You're going to want someone who has, in my opinion, has a contractor agreement. So everything's laid out, spelled out. So we know what we're doing and what's expected of us. And you're aware of everything. You know, you want to consider if people belong to memberships. I don't think you need to, but that might be something 
that's important. You might want to consider training. What kind of training have they had? Like, for instance, I'm very passionate about sustainable organizing. And if that's important to you, that would be something to look at. Any uh, referrals or something that does talk to someone? I know a lot of times people think, yeah, I'll be happy to give you a written referral or talk to someone who's interested in you. So I really think that for me, what it boils down to is having someone with your skill set that you need and that you just enjoy spending time with and being around because you're going to be spending a lot of time with and who gets you and you're on the same wavelength. I think that's what's most important. And you have to be really honest. You have to feel comfortable sharing things that are uncomfortable. You know, I know where my clients keep their underwear. I know that they feel bad about having company over. I know, you know, that they hate that the mail stacks up and they can't control it. And if they don't tell me that that's going on, if they clean up before I come over, shoving things in corners where I can't see, then I won't know what the problems are. And ultimately they might be dissatisfied because I didn't solve them. But you have to feel comfortable telling me the problems so that I can solve the problems. Yeah. And, you know, definitely look for someone who's non-judgmental. And you might be thinking, what? That wouldn't happen. But I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who've worked with someone else and said, I could just feel them judging me. Even if they didn't verbalize that, you know, we're always picking up on those cues and they just, I don't want to be judged. So I get that. So, you know, having someone caring and non-judgmental is really important. Well, something you said earlier was intriguing to me, sustainable organizing. Tell me more about that. So I am a firm believer of this. First of all, even if you don't care about the polar bears, aren't into the environment, when you're green, you're going to save time and money right off the bat. So I think that's something that's wonderful. So what I mean by that is, can you use something around your home that you already have instead of having to buy something new? right? Or can you go to a thrift shop and find something instead of having to buy a new container? It's about being aware when you are decluttering. What are the recycling laws in my area? You know, what can I make sure that I know I can recycle and follow all those rules? You know, you can have a lot of fun repurposing things. And, you know, I think that might be another area where you and I would cross because you could say, oh, you know what, you have this really cool piece and let's do it to organize your jewelry, you know, like a corkboard or something and hanging things up to make it look very cool and very visual. And so it's about knowing that and repairing things. You know, we live in a society where it's broken. Let's just throw it out and buy a new one. You know, things aren't made like they were years ago. And I'm a huge fan of free cycle. Like before I met my husband, my husband is super handy, which I'm grateful for. But I had one of those uh, weed whackers and it broke. And so I took it to get it repaired. And they're like, eh, no, it would cost you more than a new one. And we're not going to repair it. So I put it on free cycle. And I was like, it's yours. Because I figured there's someone out there handy. And I don't care if they sell it and make money or they use it for something great. But it kept it out of the landfill. So just increasing awareness of your impact when you're buying or you're decluttering and organizing. Totally. I belong to this Facebook group called Buy Nothing. Have you heard about those? Yeah, sites? yeah. Great. Site. Uh, and then you you put in in Facebook Buy Nothing, and then your town or your area. And I use it all the time. So especially for my kids' sporting equipment, for helmets and cleats that they wear for one season. It costs a lot of money and then you're never going to wear it again. So I'm constantly getting cleats on there. And then the other day, 
by the other day, I mean back in early fall, I just filled my lawn with things and had a buy nothing tag free sale. So I just had, I just posted on that Facebook group and people came by and took my stuff. And it was so wonderful to see them come, each taking exactly what they needed, strategizing on which items to take. And then as I was putting more out, they were talking to me about what they were going to do with it, how they'd been waiting for this size of baseball bat. I was like, oh, thank goodness, because I've been waiting to get it out of my basement. So I think that sustainability is so important. You know, it I always say, especially in the New York City area where I'm located, it's very easy to get things. We can get things in New York City in 30 minutes. Somebody will bring me whatever I want in 30 minutes for the right price. I can get Amazon in two days, you know, all of that stuff. It's very easy to get stuff and it's so much harder to get rid of stuff. It just is. It's harder to get it out of your house and figure out when you can get it out of your house, especially in New York City when we have certain disposal laws. You can only get rid of certain things on certain days and, you know, all these different barriers to getting stuff out. Even just physically, getting it out of your space can be heavy, something you can't do alone. And so you just want to be very mindful before you even get something inside of how much energy it takes to get it back outside. Right. And I want to add a tip, especially because you were in New York City. I used to live in Los Angeles. And so one of the things that people do is just dump it on a nonprofit. And so there's nothing, you know, if, if a nonprofit can't use it in California, then they've got to pay landfill fees. And I don't know if you have something similar in New York City. But also there's nothing. I had a friend that grew up in the foster care system and she said there'd be nothing worse than getting a hand-me-down puzzle that didn't have all the pieces. So we also get into this kind of like, oh, uh, you know, I'm just going to give it away to the nonprofit. If it's really in bad shape and I try to be as green as possible, just throw it out. If it's stained, it's torn, it's gross. If you wouldn't give it to a friend or family member, don't dump it on a nonprofit thinking you're doing them a disservice. You could end up costing them more money in the long run. That is interesting. I did not know that. And maybe that's why in New York City, the um, donation places are so picky. You have to send pictures beforehand because even just driving to your area in New York City, you have to do tolls and parking. So it has to be worth the drive in this (laughs) area. So they're actually quite picky and it's not a resource I give to my clients because most of the time they'll come and say, nope, none of this stuff is a fit. It has to be very high end. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. 
And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. You know, you mentioned when we were talking earlier before the show that you have some quick tips, some quick tips for, you know, the the trouble area I see a lot, including my own. I'm just going to get some quick tips for myself here. The kitchen, you know, that drawer that has like the potato masher, the vegetable peeler, the potato scrubber, all that stuff that you use max once a month. How do we organize this stuff? It's very overwhelming. Sure. Well, first of all, I want to talk about the junk drawer because many mm-hmm. people have junk drawers in the kitchen. And so something I've been saying for almost 10 years, don't call it the junk drawer. Stop calling it the junk drawer because this comes from my spiritual background. What you call something, it becomes. And so if you call it junk, well then, okay, it's junk. So I'm just going to throw stuff in there. But if you rename it to something and give it a purpose, then that's a little organizing tip. So maybe it's the becomes the mail center. Or then if you have a bunch of stuff, then that's telling you what, well, you know, I need to organize a little better or create categories instead of just dumping something, right? Because that's, oh, I don't want to make a decision. I'm going to throw it in the junk drawer. So stop calling it the junk drawer and give it an alternative name and give it a purpose. So there are different things that you can do for the kitchen. Open shelving is an option. Uh, one thing that you can do is you can use wall grids or ceilings or things like that. And, you know, you mentioned all those kitchen gadgets. I, it's been a while, but I have seen before, like, the top 20 kitchen gadgets never used. So that's telling you. Now, if you use it once a month, that's fine. But you're going to want to put it on an area where you don't have to access it a lot. Like, I have a corner in my kitchen. I have a small kitchen. And so things I put in there are, like, that I use for entertainment because I'm not pulling it out all the time. So I want it out of the way. That's the best way to use that space and because I'm not there and I can just grab it and use it. Another thing to look at is cookbook and recipes in the kitchen. You know, I've read something that we make the same nine meals over and over again. And so pick those favorite recipes, either upload them in something like Evernote where you can search them or Google Docs and let the cookbooks go. You know, that's something that tends to keep an enormous amount of space or have fun and make your own cookbook with recipes from everything. But that's another place that can easily get junked up. And then make sure that you can use under cabinet space if you have a lot of that. Like, again, we moved and the thing that I dislike about this house, it was my grandmother's house, which I'm grateful for because of uh, the crazy real estate market, but is utilizing underneath the cabin. So putting the paper towel holder there, putting a microwave there so that I can maximize the amount of space in the kitchen. Yep. And I think people do forget to use underneath the cabinets. I know I have. um, So you've got me thinking about that. But what about in the bathroom? I think that's another place like I have like my favorite makeup, right? I only wear like a couple of things. But then I have all those samples, all those little makeups I bought one time, the lip gloss I thought I was going to love and then my hair gets caught in it. I don't want to throw it away because I'm going to wear that lip gloss like twice a year. How do we organize our bathrooms? That is really what's plaguing me in terms of those little things. 
Well, first I'm going to tell you, because I laughed when you were talking, because I have a term called my clutter kryptonite, and this is something that makes me weak in the knees. I go by, oh, I can get rid of wrinkles? Give me a sample. Oh, you know, this guy. So I have to be like, whoa, you need, if you're not going to use it now, it's okay if I use a sample. So that's something you're going to really want to pay attention to. So what I've done is I've repurposed. I use a cake stand because I have day makeup, which I'm wearing now, certain lipstick, a little bit on the eyes going on. And so I've repurposed the cake stand so it's there right when I need it and all of it's grouped together. So the thing is, you want to have it containerized. If you just put stuff out on the counter, it's going to fall off, maybe get broken, and it will continue to grow and grow and grow and morph into even more clutter because it hasn't been contained. So in the bathroom, that's something that's really important. You use vertical space. Again, if you're in one of those tight spaces, you can do shelving behind the toilet. I have a little stash pocket thing that goes behind the door where I store makeup that I'm not using all the time, more so my night makeup and things like that, and doing different things to utilize the space as much as possible. I'm also a fan. I love Lazy Susans. Yeah. I think those are really great. Like if you have different lotions and things, keeping things and that's, and turning around and can be, you can tell me what looks nice decoratively, but that's something that I've found really useful to use. Yes. I have been wanting to get into a Lazy Susan. So maybe this is the time. You've given me some, some inspiration. In fact, my mother-in-law got me a Lazy Susan for Christmas a few years back to use in my kitchen cabinet and it was too big. It didn't fit. So I was like, oh, let me just return it. And now I wish I would have it because it could definitely work in the bathroom. Well, I'll just find a new one. Or Christmas is coming up. She can buy it for me again. I'm sure she'd love that. Um, Now I have a question because this is another, I mean, I'm just using this for my own personal decluttering session. Have you noticed? Use me, use away. But sometimes our partners are not on the same page with us. You know, I that Marie Kondo book, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, let me just try this method. Let me see what sparks joy. But working with my kids, working with my husband, they were much more resistant to the concepts. My husband is not a hoarder, but he's very sentimental. Everything has like from receipts to old cups to everything has emotion tied in it, memories, and we have very different opinions on what should stay and what should go. How do you deal with something like that as a professional? First, great question. I want to address sentimental clutter first because a lot of people struggle with that. What happens is we confuse that the objects contain our memories and they don't. Our memories are in our heads and they're in our hearts. So if that receipt or that old cup goes away, your husband's still going to have the memories of that. Now, if he is truly, truly struggling, then one thing I suggest is taking pictures. And then it's something that he can look at, but that you can create a folder on your computer and save them. So sentimental clutter can be very challenging to let go. But, you know, if everything has value, then nothing does. So the, the paper receipts and the cup have the same value as a painting that someone he loves did. I'm going to argue that it don't. So that's about discernment. Now, what's also important is you have to find a method that works for you. I don't, Marie Kondo, I think she's great. Doesn't work for me. I can't, does it spark joy asking something that just doesn't work for me? It doesn't make her wrong or anyone wrong that does that. So it's really important to find a method that works for you. So what I say to people, especially when I work with couples and families is everything in the past, let's 
let's get, let it go. We're going to start, start right now in the present moment. And we are a team. We're going to look for solutions, not blaming and pointing fingers anymore. So one of the things that's important is to find motivation. Like, what is the motivation of your husband? Will he have more time to devote to his hobby if he clears his clutter? Will he be able to think more clearly? Will you be able as a family to have more time because you're not tripping over junk or fighting over this or trying to get everyone to declutter? I think that that's really important. And so what are they going to gain if they release that clutter and get organized? And remember that this is a big thing too. When people have resistance, it's not meant to be disrespectful of the partner, people that are organized and are able to declutter. I think that's where a lot of people get hung up. Well, they're disrespecting me because they're not willing to do it. No, 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 no. And then, you know, there can be deeper issues going on with a resistance to declutter or get organized. Again, we have no judgment on any of this, but those are just a couple things that I think are important. Yeah. And I think what you said at the top of that experience was really key is going in and saying the past is in the past. Because also I think some people become resistant to throwing things out because people have made them throw things out. Like my husband hates when I keep asking, throw this out. Why don't we reconsider this? So I think asking him again would bring those old feelings up, right? Yeah. Of, wait, this is just like that time when you asked me to throw this away and then I missed it and I wished it was still here. So I think, you know, even though the space is not blank, thinking of it as a blank canvas, thinking of this as an opportunity for a fresh start. Yes. And even those memories can be triggered in a different way that doesn't have to take up square footage. Right, you know? right. And they can be preserved in a way that actually is more authentic to memories, keeping them in your mind and heart versus tripping over them when you enter your man cave. So, yes, yes. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important to have someone outside. I know when I design with clients, having that new vantage point, having somebody who doesn't have any particular stake right, in the situation can be so helpful. Even if you might have gotten to the same result with your partner at the end, it will make it more pain-free, perhaps more sustainable, that it wasn't you just saying, hey, I can't live like this anymore. Instead, it was this outside person offering a fresh perspective and saying it in maybe a different way. Yeah. You know, we're, oh, we had flooding in our basement. So I'm looking at the positive that we're bringing it into the 21st century, but that's why we want to work with someone because it's like, I don't know, we have a general idea, but my husband sometimes has strong opinions. And I'm like, well, let's ask someone who does this for a living because they might have some ideas that we can't come up with. So yeah, I think it's definitely important. Yeah. Getting that outside feedback, you know, can make the process easier but can also lead to a more efficient result. When you guys have to carve out time to do it on your own, whether it's decorating or decluttering, it becomes a chore yes. versus something that we can power through with someone's help who's making this efficient. Well, and on that note, where can people find you if they want to hear your podcast, if they want to hire you or learn more? If they just go to reawakenyourbrilliance.com, got social media, links to the podcast, they want to have that free 15-minute consultation, they can sign up there as well, too. Well, Julie, it has been such a pleasure getting to know you both on my podcast and before. So thank you for bringing your tips and ideas to my show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Well, have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye. 
you've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.